When our daily journey gets complicated and we're trying to find our way forward, sometimes we're blind to obvious road signs. It's as though the right path is hiding in plain sight. Well, today on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll describes such a moment. In our continuing biographical study on the life of Jesus, Chuck recreates a moment when two men were walking along a trail on their way to Emmaus. Jesus came alongside them. Let's pick up the story now in Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 13. Chuck titled his message, Encountering Jesus Along Life's Road. After the parade is over, the triumphal entry is but a memory. The circus-like atmosphere that surrounded his trials and torture and death, that's past. And they've decided it's time to just go home. And that's where we meet them, verse 13. Two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. They were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. When they made a turn, making their way toward the, that, that destination, they looked over and much as you would if a neighbor joined you in the walk. According to the passage, they, they saw Jesus, but, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And I love the way he approaches them, verse 17. This is great. What are these things, these words that you're exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. Cleopas said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? They don't know that it's Jesus of Nazareth. And when he says what things, they just decide to unload the truck on him. The things of Jesus of Nazareth, who was a mighty prophet in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. Oh, yeah. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and, and crucified him. Don't miss the next comment. But we were hoping it was he who was going to redeem Israel. That's what we wanted. We wanted to get out from under this Roman yoke. And he didn't even do that. That's why we're sad. 25. Look at verse 25. Remember, they don't know who he is, but suddenly this stranger becomes an instructor. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Man, you miss something in your human viewpoint. God planned it this way. Was it not necessary for the Christ, which is another word for Messiah, anointed one, Christos? Was it not necessary for the anointed one to suffer these things and to enter to his glory? Isn't that what the Lord planned? Let me show you a different response. After the Holy Spirit has come, after their eyes have been opened, go to Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 22 of Acts 2. This is Peter. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man 
delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, that is the right perspective. It was the predetermined plan of Almighty Sovereign God, and they missed it in their discouragement and depression. Chapter 4 of Acts, verse 27, says much the same thing. For truly in this city there were gathered together against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, watch this, to do whatever thy hand and thy purpose predestined to occur. I love it. In life, when it looks like things are out of control, it is running the course that God predestined to occur, and don't you doubt it. That experience you went through where it looked like all hell had broken loose, nothing was under control, it is absolutely beyond hope and dreams. God's predetermined plan is running its course. If you doubt that, you'll become sad and depressed. If you remember that, it will make all the difference in your perspective. Back to Luke chapter 24. They didn't understand the scriptures. That's why he calls them foolish and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets. All that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for Christ to suffer these things and enter into his glory? You know what else was wrong with their response? They had their own agenda. They didn't get what they expected. They didn't get relief from Rome, and that's what they really wanted. That's why Judas finally turned on him and ultimately took his life. We come into a situation with our own agenda. We have our plans. We have our expectations. We set them very, very high. And we live our lives disappointed because our agenda didn't get its way. I won't ask for a show of hands, but some of you could give your own testimony today of that very reality. I thought this. I had hoped for that. I expected these things. You know the answer to discouragement? Never have an expectation. Uh, that's an exciting way to live, isn't it? What do you plan for today? Whatever God wants. What are your hopes? Whatever God's plan. I'm determined that God will have his way. He'll use me in the process. He chooses us. He uses us. He has a plan for us to be involved. But remember, it's his agenda. You're running his course. The race has been set before us. We run his course. We don't reset the journey our way. We run his race. His plan was to redeem individuals, not to set Israel free. Not now. That's coming later. In that great kingdom age, when he will reign as king above all who call themselves king and Lord above all who call themselves Lord, then he will set Israel free. But not now. So they, they missed God's sovereign plan. They, they had a, a political agenda, and they missed his redemptive purpose. You know what else they missed? They, they couldn't accept what they couldn't see. I mean, other people say he's been raised. We heard different ones say that, but, you know, we've not seen it. They missed God's awesome power. Let me show you what Jesus does about it. He takes them to the Scriptures. By the way, it's all from memory. He's not carrying an armful of scrolls. From memory, verse 27, 
I love this. Beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Is that great? Let's see, in Genesis, this is where Jesus was portrayed. In Exodus, he's portrayed in this way. In Leviticus, this is how you see the Lord. In, in Numbers, in Deuteronomy, in all the Torah, the Lord described himself as he exegetes the scriptures. And then he chooses the prophets. By the way, could you do that? If I gave you just the books of Moses and just the prophets, could you portray how Jesus is revealed in all of those? He says all, more than once. They're there. You know that the gospel is there in the Old Testament? It's there, which is the wonderful thing about the book of Hebrews. It just reveals how much is there. And for the reader of the Hebrews to see how it portrays Christ as superior to all these things. What a moment. Think of it. Jesus is expositing the word of God as they walk along the way. And right about now, Cleopas is going, this is the guy I asked about these things and told him these things. And he's telling us, what kind of a teacher is this? And then they see the sign, Emmaus, city limits. Verse 28, they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go farther. He's in a rare mood today, isn't he? What things? Well, I'm just going to walk on here. Now, wait, 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 wait. The word is urged in the next verse. They urged him saying, no, stay with us. I don't know if in your life you have had a chance to be around anyone who really knew the scriptures who really was able to correct your perspective on life, chances are good that's the person you wanted as a mentor. And you never got quite enough time with that person. And if you had a chance to say, take somebody home with you, he's the one or she's the one you'd want to bring home with you that evening. In my life, I think back over a few men that have shaped my theology and my thinking and my, in many ways, my personality. And I and I, I never get quite enough time with those men. And they're a dying breed. More than one has passed into the Lord's presence. I miss them. Naturally, they say, uh, stay with us. Stay with us. For it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. It's all so natural. It just, you know, it's time for supper. So they throw a few things on the table and they sit down in verse 30. I love this verse. About when, about, uh, it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were open. Isn't that great? He's breaking the bread and what would they see when he broke the bread? You see the scars. In fact, I think there's more here. I think they may have been among the 5,000 fed who watched him break the bread back then. And there was just something about the manner in which he did it. In fact, the words are almost identical. Go back to Luke 9, 14, 9, 14. There were about 5,000 men 
And he said to his disciples, have them recline to eat in groups of about 50 each. That's the way they used to eat. They didn't sit in ladder back chairs all facing one, you know, view of the photographer. They recline. They eat like we ought to eat, leaning on one elbow and shoveling it in. That's a great way to eat. They reclined and they ate. And so he reclined at the table. In this place, they're out in the middle of nowhere. And watch closely. He took five loaves, two fish, looking up to heaven. Look at these words. He blessed them and broke them and kept giving them to the disciples. It could be, this is a preacher's imagination, so forgive me if this is not correct. Could be they were near the front and they watched him as he broke the bread and fed the thousands. And here they are in their home and he's breaking the bread. It's Jesus. Let me say here that um, when you're working your way through life and you're walking along whatever the road may be, school, work, home, responsibilities. It is amazing if your heart's right, how you can almost feel the warmth of his presence. He's there. He helps you in an irritating moment. He quietens you when you would otherwise panic. He calms you with truth when you're ready to believe the, the scuttlebutt of the office. In the most wonderful way, he reveals himself. You work through your way through a decision and you realize, I couldn't have ever thought of that on my own. This is the Lord. He gave me that idea. He's here among us. Please observe, as soon as they identified who it was, he vanished. The word literally means disappeared. He was gone. Now, they only grew deeper in their convictions. They stay at the table. And they start saying to one another, verse 32, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? All three of the verbs are imperfect. And the emphasis is on past continuous action. Let me read it like that. And they said to one another, were not our hearts continuing to burn within us while he was continuing to speak with us on the road, while he was continuing to explain the scriptures to us? It's been one continuous burning one sense of realization. He's put a whole new perspective. We use the word spin. He puts a whole new spin on life. This is the Lord. Please observe, they decide not to stay there, even though they're at home, even though they're comfortable, even though it's at night. Verse 33, look at what happens. They arose that very hour. That means in, at night. They went that seven miles back to Jerusalem. Time of day meant nothing because their eyes had been opened. And what do they do? They return to Jerusalem and they find gathered the 11 and those who were with them. So they're outnumbered. But being in the minority doesn't bother you when you've got your perspective and your eyes have been opened. And 
Though they hadn't witnessed with their own eyes, they saw it as real. They said, it's real. He has, look at the word, he has really risen. He really was seen by Peter. It's true. It's true. These are the same ones who only hours earlier were standing around sad on the road to Emmaus, and now their whole perspective has changed. You know what the message of this is? Spending time alone with Jesus opens our eyes and changes our perspective. That's the message. That is what this is about. This isn't just another story that Luke includes. This is about today. In the most non-sensational, simple manner, they spoke of Christ and brought reassurance to the 11 and their friends. They're now witnesses as a result of what they have experienced. They began to relate their experiences on the road. I love that. On the road. On the road again. That's what you were thinking. On the road. Just on the road. Just doing your thing. Just, that's what happened. It was on the road and he changed our lives. It isn't sensational. It's growing and it's learning. As a lady said after the end of the first service, she said, Chuck, I disagree with you. I said, well, that's happened many times before. People, what do you disagree with? She says, I think growing and learning is fantastic. Well, that's a pretty good comment. It's another kind of fantastic. It's a deep fantastic. It's a genuine fantastic. Men and women in the fury and the flurry and the hurry of life lived in the fast lane. We are tempted to think that none of that stuff is all that significant. That's what the world's going to lead you to believe. But I want to tell you it's in the dailiness of life that he steps in, gets your attention, and changes your direction. I can't number the times that's happened to me, and many of you could say the same thing. Being in the way the Lord led me. Remember the psalm, Psalm 46, verse 10? Be still and know that I am God. Eugene Peterson in his message says, Step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. When's the last time you've done that? What are you waiting for? That's why he's omnipresent. That's why he's available to us. And he can mean as much to you at the very same moment he means to me and thousands of others at the same time. But you've got to spend time with him. Take those breaks. Spending time alone with Jesus opens our eyes and changes our perspective. Feeling a little bit uh, oppressed with all you have to do? Who isn't? Who doesn't? I have a good word for you. It isn't original with me. Every once in a while, I'll get a little note or an email or a postcard from a friend I've known for years, almost 20 years now. And I always, my heart always beats a little faster when I see his name because I know it's going to be good. You have friends like that? It's never a waste of time to read his notes. They're always brief, but they're, they, they punctuate some significant comment to me. He sent me a piece that's a little couplet 
this past uh, Thursday. And it goes like this. Though what I dream and what I do in all my days are often two. Help me. Oppressed by things undone, O you whose deeds and dreams are one. Isn't that good? Though what I dream and what I do in all my days are often two, O help me, oppressed by things undone, you whose deeds and dreams are one. Jesus' dreams became reality because they were perfectly aligned with the Father's will. And therefore, I have found that life that counts is comprised mainly of growing and learning, not awesome, incredible, fantastic, unbelievable stuff. Growing and learning. Growing and learning. Pausing, stepping out of the traffic, making certain his plan is foremost, top priority, and adjusting my life to that. May I bow our heads together, please. Close our eyes. Let's just sit quietly for a few moments in the Lord's presence. If there has never been a time in your life ever before, when along your road you've met Jesus Christ and taken him by faith, he who died for you and paid the price for your sin, paid it in full, and then later rose victoriously over the grave, this is the day for you. This is the day for your eyes and ears to be open for you to take him as your own. And for the others of you, it is a matter of growing and learning, growing and learning, not looking for the sensational, but expecting God's presence day in, day out, every day we live, counting on it, leaning on it, talking to him, listening to him, being still and knowing that he is God. Forgive us, our Father, for the many, many, many wasted hours as we look back over the long years of our lives, hours spent fretting and frustrated and struggling with our way versus your way and our timing versus your timing and our will versus your will and Oh, Lord, today we see afresh from this wonderful story of Cleopas and his friend a setting that we can identify with so well. He does walk with us. He does talk with us. He does tell us that we are his own. Thank you, Father, for not leaving us as orphans but giving us your spirit and with him and with Christ all things richly to enjoy. May this make a difference in the way we see life. May our eyes be open from having spent time with you 
and may it change our whole perspective on what we would have called disappointments and problems and struggles and failures. Meet us, Father, among the casseroles and in the crucible of life and make your presence exceedingly meaningful to us at those times. For I ask it in Christ's dear name and for his sake alone. And all the people said, Amen. You're listening to the daily program known around the world as Insight for Living. Our Bible teacher, Chuck Swindoll, titled today's message, Encountering Jesus Along Life's Road. It's part of a biographical study called Jesus, the Greatest Life of All. There are 20 sermons in the collection. To learn more, visit us online at insightworld.org. By listening to this study, you'll be reminded that God truly understands our suffering. Jesus is acquainted with our grief. He knows what it feels like to carry deep sorrow, and that's comforting to anyone who's struggling right now. Let me share a comment we received from one of your fellow listeners in Florida. She said, I'm 55 years old and I've been listening to Insight for Living for over 20 years. A few nights ago, my heart was raw with concern about my family and what the future holds. So when I settled down to listen to the program, I knew the Lord was about to speak to me. The words were just what I needed to hear. Since then, I've surrendered all of my cares to the Lord. I feel so light and free. I am at peace. Well, on behalf of this listener and countless others like her, we want to thank all those who give generously to Insight for Living. We couldn't provide Chuck's teaching without your partnership. And as a result of your contributions, people are learning to rely on Jesus, the greatest life of all. To give a donation today, call us. If you're listening in the United States, call 800-772-8888 or go online to insight.org slash donate. I'm Bill Meyer. Join us next time when Chuck Swindoll describes a fascinating conversation between Jesus and his disciples on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Encountering Jesus Along Life's Road, was copyrighted in 1999, 2000, and 2008, and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2008 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc. All rights are reserved worldwide. Duplication of copyrighted material for commercial use is strictly prohibited.